0: How you guys doing? My name's Mike. If I if I haven't met you guys, pumped for holidays? Yeah. You last day of school. How good's that? I, I loved holidays when I was in school. The holiday I was always looking forward to though uh, was that three and a half months after I finished HSC. I was hanging out for that. I was frothing for that. Three and a half months, summertime, no responsibilities. I was just always looking forward to that. But then looking back on it now, I'm a few years out of school now. Looking back on it. I was like, I think I kind of wasted that time. I mean, I'd kind of stay up late and just watch TV and I'd sleep in. You know, I'd kind of do a bit of stuff. But looking back on that time now, I really really wish I could have that time again. That three and a half months, I could have done so much more. So much more. One of the things that kind of sucked over that time is I had this girlfriend who was overseas. And when she came back, I found out she cheated on me. And she broke up with me straight away after that. I was devo. And I really did feel like that time, that season of my life was wasted. And I don't know what you guys want to do when you finish school. Maybe you've heard that question a thousand times. Some of you guys, you've probably got it set. Uh, you're going to go to TAFE or uni or you're already there. Uh, you're going to get a job. Uh, you're going to make lots of money, buy a house, maybe take over the family business. Some of you guys, you just want to hang out, chill. You're not really sure. You're in year nine, so you've got heaps of, heaps of time to think about that stuff. But how do we, how do we make our life Count. What does it mean for us not to waste our life? You see, guys, life—it's so short. And we probably don't realize that. Now we're young; we're kind of just starting out. But life—it's so short. Just today, my sister is at a funeral from someone who woke up in the middle of the night dead, and just their life is just—they didn't wake; literally, wake up. Sorry, I should start it again. My sister's at a funeral, no, this is serious. My sister, she's at a funeral today uh, from her boyfriend's uncle who died far younger than expected. He just in the middle of the night, someone found him dead. I've got another friend, another family friend who has just been left hospital. They're pretty much my age, a couple years older than me, and the, the doctors have have given up on them because there's just no hope for them. And so they could die. They could be dead right now. Life, it's so short. We don't realize that when we're young, but when tragedies happen, we realize how short life is. So how do we make it count? What do we do to not waste our life? We're going to look at that tonight. We're going to look at two questions. Who is this man, Jesus, and why did he come? And how does that, together, once we answer these questions, we'll be able to see what it means. What does Jesus have for us that helps us wrestle with that question, how to not waste our life? So I'm going to pray and then we're going to look at the Bible. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent your son Jesus into the world to look at the deepest questions in life. Father, I pray that as I speak, you'd be speaking through me. I pray that you'd be speaking through your word and help us wrestle with this question and help us to have a life that is not wasted. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So let's come to this passage that Lucy had read for us in Mark chapter 8. If you guys have been with us uh, all term, you'll know we've been looking at Mark, one of the four accounts of Jesus' life, the shortest one actually. It's only it's only, about, only about 10 pages long or so. You can probably punch it out tonight if you guys wanted to. Uh, it's Mark, the book of Mark. We're looking at this question, who is this man? Uh, so come with me uh, to Mark chapter 8. This really is the turning point. This is the turning point. So the first half of Mark has been sharing to the world, who he is. He's been revealing his identity. And after this point, he starts to show people why he actually came into the world. It's a bit like the turning point. If you guys seen The Lion King, it's a bit like the turning point when Simba, he, he realized he has to go back and face Scar and, and win back the kingdom. It's a bit like that. This is the turning point in Mark. This is the, the crucial point. So let's get the next slide. So come with me to Mark chapter 8. If you guys put, put away your Bibles, or if you've got a mate, um, you can look on with just next next to you. Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Let's come with me to verse 27. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On that way, he asked them, Who do people say I am? And so we're going to look tonight at this question Who is this man? Who is Jesus? This is a question that Jesus wants his disciples to nail. He says, Who do people say I am? They replied, verse 28. Well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. See, people could clearly see that something was up with this Jesus guy. I mean, there were crowds that gathered to hear him teach. We saw a whole bunch of miracles, if you've been with us this term. We've seen Jesus feeding like thousands and thousands of people with just like a few loads of tip top and a box of fish fingers, pretty much. We saw Jesus like raise dead people. We saw Jesus cast out demons. We saw him heal sick people. Something is different about this man, and so that's why people thought that Jesus was no ordinary dude. That's why people thought he was John the Baptist. Remember him? He was the preacher, the guy that was baptizing people, He ate locusts and wild honey. He ended up getting beheaded, though, by a horny, drunk king. If you guys have you' guys seen that before in Mark chapter six, you can read that story. And some people thought that Jesus was John the Baptist, reincarnated, resurrected. Some people thought that Jesus was Elijah, one of the Old Testament prophets, about 800 years before Jesus, who had done a whole bunch of miracles as well. He healed someone from the dead. He he fed a woman with just some bread uh, for, for, for ages. He kept making more and more bread for her. So some people thought that Jesus was Elijah, kind of come back. And others thought that he was another prophet, a messenger from God that had a message for God's people. And while all these guys, they're kind of in the right direction, they still get it wrong, don't they? Have a look at verse 29. Jesus sharpens the question because these guys don't get it. Verse 29, he says to his disciples, what about you? Who do you say I am? Peter, he steps up. He answers, you are the Messiah. And Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. You know something good's happened. You know someone's got it right when Jesus you know, warns people not to tell anyone about him. So Peter, he's recognizing that Jesus is the Messiah. Some translations say Christ. That means the king. He's the anointed one. He's the one who God has promised to send to his people, Israel. And this is the king who's going to save God's people. And so for us, we need to get this right. It's crucial that we have the right understanding of who This man is. Otherwise, otherwise, we're wasting our lives. We're even wasting our time here tonight. I mean, a lot of you guys, you probably would be able to give a pretty good explanation about who Jesus is. But I wonder how many of you would say that He is your King. I mean, there's a whole bunch of popular versions of Jesus that we like to latch onto. I mean, there's there's Buddy Jesus. Have you guys seen that? Jesus is my best mate. there's thug Jesus. He's just there to beat up my enemies. There's Rebel Jesus, the guy who just doesn't care about the rules. There's hippie Jesus, who's just there for, you know peace and love and, and rock guitar or something like that. And, and here's my favorite hipster Jesus. The guy had a beard before it was cool. Now, some of these, they have more truth than others. Some of these notions of who Jesus is, there's a bit of truth in, in some of them. But the thing that Jesus wants us to know. Is that he is the king? Jesus is the Messiah. He's the king. And one day, everyone is going to bow down to him. Everyone, regardless if they're atheist or Muslim or Buddhist or from EV youth, everyone is going to bow down and worship him. Some people who have realized that he is the king now, they're going to do it because they know he's the king, but others, They're going to wake up and realize that he is the one who I've been ignoring all of my life. And that's going to be a scary thought for those people. And so, tonight, do you guys recognize that Jesus is the Lord and King of the universe, of heaven, and ultimately the King of your life? Or do you guys kind of just want a bit of Jesus on the side? you want a bit of Jesus on Friday night at youth? But kind of the rest of your life, do you guys live ignoring Jesus. I mean, it isn't enough though, just to say he's your king. We need to understand secondly, why the king came. We need to understand why did Jesus come? So what does this actually mean for Jesus to be the king? How does this help us to not waste our life? Because what happens? Keep reading on. In verse 30, Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. And in 31, he then began to Teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. So Jesus, he's speaking plainly. He's not speaking in parables like he was before, and he just lays it out. He calls a spade a spade. The Son of Man, which is just the way that Jesus used to describe himself, he said, I must suffer many things. I'm going to be rejected by those religious guys, the elders, the chief priests, teach the law, and I'm going to be killed. I'm the king, and I'm going to be killed. What kind of king is this? I mean, Israel it had a whole bunch of kings, if you guys know anything about the Old Testament. Some were good, some were bad. But Israel had been like, pumped by other kingdoms. Now they were under under occupancy by the Romans. And they were hanging out for a king that would finally set them free from these barbaric Romans that would go around crucifying the Jews. But Jesus says something different that you'd expect from a king. He says that the king must be killed. And look at, look at Peter's reaction. Peter, who's perhaps Jesus' best mate, he rebukes Jesus. He, began, he took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Rebuke just means correct or tell off or, or say, hey mate, you got it wrong. I mean, you can imagine Peter, can't you? Peter, who was a you know, big burly fish o guy, he, he'd given up everything to follow Jesus. And now he's saying, now he's saying that Jesus is gonna die. He's the king who's gonna die. Peter's devo at this fact. And so you can you can maybe understand if Jesus would maybe get alongside him and try to point him in the right direction. But have a look at what he says. It's quite striking. Verse 33, Jesus turned and looked to his disciples. He rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. Get behind me, Satan. I mean, that, that escalated quickly, didn't it? He's calling Peter, he's calling his best mate Satan. I mean, I thought Peter just got it right. I thought he, he understood that Jesus was this king, this promised chosen king, the Messiah, that God had prophesied about for centuries. Why does Jesus then go and call Peter Satan? Well, it's because Peter doesn't have the right mindset. Have a look at what Jesus says. He says, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. I mean, imagine if you're if you guys have, the, have some questions, right, about Jesus, you come to me afterwards, and suddenly I realize you're not quite getting it right. If I were to call you, you spawn of Satan, how dare you ask me that question? Like, that's kind of weird, isn't it? But Jesus, he escalates it because actually, what Satan wants, what the devil wants, what enemies of Jesus want, is actually not for him to die. They actually don't want Jesus to die because this is God's plan to save the world. If Jesus didn't die, then that means God hasn't won. If Jesus did not go to the cross and take the punishment that we deserve, it means that we are still under judgment. It means there's still a spiritual battle that is yet to be won. But Peter, he's got different concerns. So He thinks that Jesus is just going to come and kick some Roman butt. He thinks that Jesus is going to free them from the oppressive Romans. He thinks that Jesus is the guy who's going to make his life and make Israel's life better. But Jesus, we know what happens, don't we? It says, he says it here, he predicts it. He says he must suffer and he must get killed. So Jesus, who was perfect, he was killed in place of you and I as part of God's plan to save the world. And so Satan, he wants to stop that. He's up against God. And so if we don't have Jesus that died, if we don't have a king that died, it means that we're still under God's judgment. It means that our selfishness, our arrogance, the, the ways in which we fall short of God's standard, it means that we're accountable. It means that we have to try to get to God on our own merits. And if you know anything about your heart, if you know anything about yourself, we know that we're all stuffed, aren't we? Our lives would be wasted. But actually, it's Jesus whose life was wasted for us. Jesus went to the cross, died a horrific death for you and for I in our place. Jesus was messed up, so the messiness of our lives would be be free from. And so for us, we need to not only understand that Jesus is the king the Son of God, we need to understand why He came, that He came to die. He came to die in our place because of our sin. And so some of us here tonight, we know, we know all this, right? Like we, Maybe we've been going along to EV Kids. We've been kind of hearing about this stuff for a while. Maybe we're in a G-team and we we're able to, to rattle off all the right answers. But for some of us tonight, we're sitting here right now and we're actually concerned about the things of the world rather than the things of God. Maybe some of us here tonight are actually more concerned with how we look than what we're hearing about. Maybe we're more concerned about whether we can have that conversation with that guy or that girl later on, or what that party's going to be like on the weekend. Some of us who know that Jesus is king, we've been hearing about this stuff for years, and yet we have in mind the things of this world rather than the things of God. But Peter, Jesus' best mate, he gets rebuked. He gets called Satan for having in mind the things of this world. And so we need to take Jesus' words seriously. We need to seriously consider who he is and why he came. And that will show us what it means to not waste our life. So finally, how do we not fail at life? What does this actually mean? How do we not get to the end of our lives... And see it all to be a waste. Well, Jesus has shown us that he must die as part of God's plan. And so if you guys want to follow Jesus and have forgiveness, have eternal life, there's a cost. There's a cost. For those of us who are Christian or those of us who are wanting to be Christian, followers of Jesus, he says the key to not wasting our life, the key to saving our life is to lose it. Have a look at what he says in verse 34. Verse 34. Jesus says whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What Jesus is saying here is that if you try to cling on to your life you're going to lose it. You're going to waste it. If you hold on to whatever's making you happy in life. And if you put that number one, if you push Jesus away, then you're ultimately going to lose your life. Being a Christian, a follower of Jesus, it's about denying yourself. It's about putting aside your own interests and thinking about the interests of God. Being a follower of Jesus, asking yourself a question at every aspect of life. You can always ask this. How is what I'm doing right now? How is that helping me follow Jesus? When we're at school, when you're listening in class, you can think, how is the attitude I have right now? How is that showing people I'm a follower of Jesus? When I'm with my family, how am I loving them following Jesus? How am I with my homework? How am I at sport? How am I with my friends? How am I? You can keep asking yourself, doesn't matter what context you're in, what it looks like to follow Jesus. It's denying yourself. It's putting God first. It's loving others ahead of yourself. Jesus gives a really stark reality here in verse 36. He says, For what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? I mean, imagine, I don't know what you guys want to do after you finish school, what you want to achieve in life, but imagine if you were to. Achieve something epic. Imagine if you were a world champion surfer. Imagine if you started a business that became bigger than Facebook. Or imagine if you were a really talented artist like this guy and had a YouTube video that had over 2 billion views. I mean, what an achievement. I mean, how good would that be? I'm not sure what you guys want to achieve in life. Maybe it's something far more epic than that. But Jesus says here, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world... And yet lose their soul. In other words, what good is it for someone to achieve all that there is to achieve and then spend eternity in hell? Have a look at what Jesus says in verse 38. He says, If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory and with the holy angels. Jesus says, if you're ashamed of me, I'm going to be ashamed of you. And so with our lives, how can we follow Jesus? How can we not waste our life? What does it look like practically? I'm going to show you three quick things that we can do to not waste our life. Firstly, have the right mouth, the right mind, and the right moves. So firstly, let's look at the mouth. What we need to do as Peter did, we need to acknowledge with our mouth, with our lips, that Jesus is king. I mean, the whole point of us doing this, who is this man series at youth, is so that we can see that actually Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the king. He's the saviour of the world. That's what Jesus Christ means. It means saviour, king. He's the saviour of us and he's our king. And so we need to declare with our mouths that he's the king. If you guys, I don't know what your prayer lives are like, But we need to start there. We need to say to God, you're the king. We need to say, Jesus, you're the king that's sent by God into this world. When we pray, we need to have uplifting words to look at who Jesus is. And if we're not praying, if we can't say that to God privately, how can we ever say that publicly? I mean, how can we ever say to anyone else that Jesus is king if we can't even recognize it before God? I mean, if some of you tonight, we might not be sure about uh, where we're at with Jesus. But can I encourage you guys to think about using prayer as a way of exploring that. Why don't you guys pray and just see what happens. Pray to Jesus. Pray to the King Jesus and see what happens. But you're, if you're a Christian, do you use your mouth to declare to others that Jesus is King? And I'm not yet talking about those who don't know Jesus. I'm talking about your Christian friends, maybe others at youth. Uh, Maybe when you go along to FAD or maybe in G-Teams, are you talking to others, not just answering questions sitting back, but are, are you actually using your mouth to point people to Jesus? Are you declaring that Jesus is King? The Bible says that if you declare with your mouth and your heart that Jesus is Lord, then you'll be saved. That's what it means to be saved. That's what it means to be right with God, to declare with your mouth and your heart that Jesus is King. And when was the last time you said, you started a conversation or started a sentence, how good is it that Jesus did this? Or how good is Jesus because of that? And if we can't get it right here, how are we going to get it right out there? Which is clearly what Jesus is saying when he says, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. How do we not waste our lives? Let's flip that question. How do we not waste the lives of others? The only thing we can take into heaven is other people isn't it? And so there's millions, millions of people out there, billions of people out there in the world, tens of thousands of people out there on the coast that don't know Jesus. And so how are we going to take this good news and share it with Jesus? Are we ashamed or do we actually realise that this is the best news ever? What will it look like for you when you're at school, when you're in family, when you're hanging out with mates? Declare that Jesus is Lord. God says, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. And so, secondly, that's the mouth. Let's look at the mind. In verse 33, Peter warns, Jesus warns Peter, you don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And so, if we spend our lives just thinking about the things of this world, we've seen already that we're on Satan's team, we're not on Jesus's team. What a waste, what a waste it would be if we spent our lives thinking about just worldly stuff. It doesn't mean you can't think about stuff that, you know, in this world, just not saying that, but what a waste it would be if all we thought about was stuff here and now. ends up who's got Netflix. Yeah, a bunch of you guys have Netflix, yeah. I got it about a month ago, right, and one of the things, um, I've just started watching Friday Night Lights, Anyone, anyone's watched that for you people, Yeah. One of the things I, I realised, like, when you start watching, kind of binging a bit on, on a TV show, you just start thinking about it all the time, and I, I just kind of Google their ages, I'm like, how come, you know, this is meant to be a high school, If those of you guys who don't know, it's, um, Friday Night Lights is, it's a high school kind of football, you know, college, it's a high school football, um, you know, uh, drama about, you know, a bunch of high schools that, you know, in Texas, and they, um, and they you know, go to state championship, that kind of stuff, but... They're meant to be high school. And I'm like, hang on, like, why do they look like older than me? What's going on? And, and so I just started Googling that and, and just kind of thinking about that. And my mind this week was just kind of thinking about, you know, Friday Night Lights. And I was thinking, hang on, what, what the hell is going on? I realized what I'm filling my time with, that's what I'm filling my mind with. And I, and I was just thinking about a whole bunch of other stuff. I and mean, when I was younger, you know, I used to play a little sport. And in my free time, when I wasn't playing sport, I'd just constantly be thinking about sport. I used to you know, be on the hunt always for a, when I was in high school for a girlfriend. And I'd you know, chat, on, chat online and, and stay up late you know, chatting to girls and Facebook, that kind of thing. And um, I'd have dreams of that. It was weird. Like, whatever I was filling my time with, that's what I'd fill my mind with later on. And so I'd spend all this time kind of you know, filling my mind with these things that don't really matter. I used, to, I used to drink a lot when I was at school, and I'd, I'd fill my mind just when I was dozing off, just thinking about what I was going to do that weekend, how much I was going to drink with my mates, that kind of thing. I mean, for some of us, maybe it's porn. I mean, maybe, maybe we struggle with pornography and lust, and if we're filling our time looking at images and videos of, of men, women, then our minds are just going to drift off thinking about those things. I mean, some of us, it might be, you know, video games. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, for us, not that these things are, not that video games are bad or anything, but for us who are, you know, obsessed with video games, when we're just chilling out, our minds are going to drift. How are we going to get to that next level? How are we going to get that, you know, that next model? Like, whatever, you know, hack, whatever we're into. Like, how are we going to kind of get past? How are we going to get the best score? Whatever you're into. If you're into shopping, You know, at Erin or online, your mind's just going to drift. You know, when you're not shopping, you're going to think, what am I going to buy next? When's my next money coming in? How can I ask my folks to to buy me this? Your mind just drifts to whatever you spend your time with. And so these things aren't all necessarily bad things, but Jesus is warning us against having merely human concerns. And of course, we should be concerned about school and and family and friends. And, uh, you know, it's good to have fun that kind of stuff. But if all we do is spend our time with things that don't ultimately matter, what a waste. I mean, if you say to God, at the end of your life, I should get into heaven because of this, because of this achievement, because of that achievement, because of you know, winning this race or getting this mark or having these friends or whatever it is, God's not going to let you in. He's not going to let you in because of what you achieve in this world. And so we need to have perspective. We need to have the right mindset. And we need to be constantly reminding ourselves, because our minds have this tendency to wander, we need to be constantly reminding ourselves of the things of God. And what other things of God? I mean, some of us here might have no idea about what God would be thinking about. The best way to learn is just by reading the Bible. Read the Bible. This is actually how God speaks to us. And so if you guys aren't in a, in a Bible reading pattern at all, can I encourage you? Maybe, maybe Mark might be a really sweet thing just to start reading. You, you could punch it out in, in an hour probably. Um, but maybe just read a little bit each day, something like that. And you'll be able to see actually what is God about, what, is, what are his plans about. Um, you can come chat to a leader if you want to know more information about how to read the Bible, that kind of stuff. But this is serious. Jesus rebukes Peter, calls him Satan because he does not have in mind the things of God. And so finally finally we can we can avoid wasting our lives by following Jesus with our moves. So with our mouths, with what we say, with our minds, what we think about, and with our moves, what we do with our lives, with our bodies. Have a look at verse 34. Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. This is huge is massive. Jesus is saying that if you want to be a Christian, you must take up your cross. The cross, that's where Jesus died. You must be prepared to take your own coffin, if you like, being a Christian. And for many people all around the world, this is a reality. For Christians in places like Iraq, Somalia, North Korea, Christians are being killed. For simply believing in Jesus. And we've got it pretty sweet here, at the moment anyway. We're able to have events like this publicly, we're able to read the Bible publicly, that kind of stuff, and we've got it safe. But Jesus' words here, they're still applicable to us. We need to be prepared to deny ourselves, our own interests, and be prepared to die for the name of Jesus. And we might not necessarily die in our lifetime for the sake of Jesus, but we need to be prepared to. And so we need to be radical followers of Jesus. This is costly. I mean, maybe the cost is you're going to have to say no to hanging out with some friends. I mean, are you guys seriously willing to, to risk that for Jesus? Would you say no to some friend, hanging out with a certain group of friends if you know they're taking you away from Jesus. I mean, that was me. When I became a Christian, I had to stop hanging out with a bunch of mates. Are you guys prepared to have an awkward conversation with your family? Maybe your, your folks, maybe your, your brothers sisters, maybe they're, they're not Christian. and Maybe they're just bagging you out for coming along to youth, come on to fat, getting involved, serving. Are you guys prepared to have those hard conversations? I'm not saying it's easy. My family aren't Christian. I've had many hard conversations. But Jesus says you must deny yourself. Jesus says the Christian life is not a life of comfort. I mean, are you guys prepared to follow Jesus with your heart? Are you prepared to say no to that guy or girl who isn't a follower of Jesus? Actually, no, I won't date you. Are you prepared to actually say that? To say, no, no, I'm a follower of Jesus and you're not actually. So we actually can't go out because our lives are different. Our lives are about different things. Because if Jesus is number one in your life, how can you? How can you even consider dating someone who isn't a follower of Jesus? I mean, to push this further, if you really take Jesus seriously, I mean, how can you? are you really serious about what dating is? Dating is actually the purpose of marriage. And if you're not in a space where you can kind of think about marriage, why would you even date if you take Jesus' words seriously? We need to move our hands away from things that are tempting us. We need to be wary with what we're clicking on, what websites we're going to, where our eyes are wandering. Maybe we need to move our hands to keep our bedroom doors open. Maybe we need to Think about what our hands are touching, where they are going, who they are touching. Following Jesus with your body involves making the right moves. Maybe we need to use our feet to get up. Get up off the couch or get up out of our bed, read our Bibles. Get up, go along to youth. If you guys are here, you made it tonight, that's good. Get along to G-teams. Get along to, to groups of 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 guys and girls, where you can hang out, read the Bible, encourage each other. We need to use our knees, get down on our knees and pray. I mean, I don't know how many of you guys have even done that or thought about that. It's a great thing to do if you haven't, to pray, to to recognize that God, you're king and you're worth actually getting down on my knees for. Maybe you'd like to do that. Try doing that uh, in your bedroom, something like that. It's awesome. It's awesome. And we need to use our eyes to look on people with love. Because that's how God views us. See, God knows our hearts. God knows what it's like to be us. God knows all the stuff that we do in our lives. God knows our thoughts. God knows what we're looking at. God knows what we're spending our time with. And yet he looks upon us with love. When he sees our record, all our sin... If we trust in Jesus, he sees not our record, but Jesus's. We come come before him with a pure, clean record because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so when we use our eyes, let's look on him and look on others with love, knowing that it's God's love that has saved us. And so tonight, if you are not yet following Jesus can I encourage you to seriously consider the claims he made. Seriously consider actually what it means, who Jesus is, and why he came. Seriously consider, because this is massive. I want you guys to seriously not waste your life. What are you guys living for? If you're not following Jesus, what are you living for? And how is that going to save you? And if you are following Jesus, if you do call yourself a Christian, how is God speaking to you tonight? What moves do you have to make? What do you need to move your mind away from? What words do you need to say to himself, to others, and to those who don't know him? King Jesus, he came into the world to die for you and for I. Being a Christian, it's costly, but it's worth it. How about I pray? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you came into this world as a man. You were promised for hundreds and hundreds of years to the world, and it was part of your plan from before time began. Thank you that you came into this world as a man, but as the king, as our saviour king. Thank you that you came into this world as a king unlike any other king we've ever seen before, but as the king who died And rose again so that we can have life. I pray that we would take seriously your words. We'd seriously consider what you have to say. And we would not waste our lives. May our our mouths, our mind and our moves be all about following you. Denying ourselves, taking up our cross and living out our lives as disciples of you. And I pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.